Welcome to another Azure-centric podcast on our weekly updates show. My name is Marcos Nogueira and I'm your host as usual. And as usual, to not be indifferent on any other presentation for our podcast, we have Andrew Lowe's. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Uh, it's finally the spring come. We had a little bit of snow, just a tiny bit like our friends in Europe, that snows in April. So we had to do it as well because we live in Canada, right? <laughs> but <laughs> right now it's it's double digits. It's very sunny outside. We should do one day recording this outside just for the fun of it. It's going to be oh, a, a challenge, yeah. but that's okay. I think we can yeah, we, we we'll can have do some it. technical challenges. We could do an episode from my garage. Yeah, <laughs> Azure, uh, Azure Garage in this case. Oh, Azure Garage. Oh, I like it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Special edition of Azure Garage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been, uh, we have to say, regarding Azure, it's been a quite weak. Uh, we have yeah. to say it, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was a good week. It was very stable, which was nice. Yes. So we do need to build some stability. Absolutely. Um, kind of as all of these things come up and down with the usual flux. But uh, it was a bit quiet for announcements. And when we were going over them, we actually didn't cut uh, just one, I think, right? Yeah, it was a dev one. That we cut. Yeah, I was going to say we didn't cut many, but I was, no, then I was thinking, one. well, we did. We cut one. It was just <laughs> very, very few. We have one. a theme with this. Yes, this, there's this a episode. new theme this week. Yes, as, as usual. Uh, this theme is about the public preview with a twist that we will mention that I'm not going to reveal right now. Uh, I have You have to listen uh, in this case, but I have some news. My oh. button is back. Look at this. Hey. So please don't forget to subscribe. Thank you very much for your support. We've been, we, we were comment that we've been so blessed by mm. everyone uh, with this type of uh, format that now we're doing this introduction to just to try to see if that is interesting or not to you guys. And then we jump into the updates. But uh, uh, the feedback has been tremendous. It's been out of my... I don't, I don't have Yeah, words. just incredible, incredible comments right? uh, on the Azure-centric videos. And, you know, just for everybody watching or listening, uh, wherever you are, thank you. Thank um, you. We both read through the comments. Um, Marcos is much better than I am with commenting. <laughs> Um, I have ADD brain, so I read them. I have some good chuckles, and I think, oh, my goodness, I can't yeah. believe yeah. these people actually listen to us chat for uh, what we always refer to as our 15-minute weekly call. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 15 minutes that sometimes you went to, I think the minimum was 40-something minutes on this show, yeah, yeah. and the maximum was almost like two hours. Yeah, there's, uh, there was one or two oh my, uh, that yeah. might be a bit on the long side. They were more Just um, those weeks where we had some buildup to Ignite, I think, yes, yes, where yes. there was a lot of announcements and a lot of them had uh, really big information chunks in them. But 
Um, what do you think? Uh, are you ready to kind of dive into yes. the deep end of the public previews? Absolutely. Let's let's roll the intro, and then we'll come back to the first um, to the first in this case update. So welcome back. Now let's jump into the first update. The first update, it's a public preview because we said that was the theme for this week. And it's public preview of announcing platform support, migration of Azure Cloud Services Classic to Azure Resource Manager. So mm -hmm. we mentioned this. I, I, I was double checking my, my notes. We mentioned this when was in development because this was the Azure Cloud Services that we mentioned, right? That was on extended support and yes. it was moving to Azure Resource Manager. So if you are one of those listeners that you just come with us almost since the beginning, this is not a new for you. Um, if you are the one that it's just come to this podcast, this show, uh, welcome in this case, but this is already start talking. So I think it's worthwhile to just coming and going and, and, and basically, uh, recap a little bit. What is Azure cloud services? What do you think? Yeah, I think that would be good. I'd love to hear a little bit on you from it. Um, you think of uh, things in a much uh, deeper way sometimes, um, especially with a lot of uh, these very core services. Yeah. Um, you're, you have a different perspective, which is, you know, one of the things that uh, we do well. It's why we work so well as a team, um, because we really balance each other with that kind of thing. So I think of the Azure cloud services as like the original deployment method, the kind of, it's a bit of a lighter, lighter touch and less modular, um, moving towards uh, resource manager, the ARM templates. It's a little bit, well, it's a lot more extensible, but it's a little bit more flexible and modular. And we can take chunks of that JSON and move it around a bit that we didn't have that full flexibility to do within the classic model. That's how I see it. Absolutely. You know, and it's correct because the part of moving this to ARM, right? So when you're doing the Azure Cloud Services and now you are what is called now the Cloud Services Extended Support, that is the new ARM, uh, you are adding uh, some capabilities that you have on ARM already. So the RBAC, the role-based access control is one of them. The very good friends of ours, that is the tags, the policies, and the support of doing this as a template uh, that you couldn't out, not have it in this case on the classic version of the Azure Cloud Services, uh, right? And now migrating this, and I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the last services on the what I used to call the version one of Azure, the ASM, yep. right? Uh, is still one of the last services that they are migrating. So we can almost 
throw away the version one of 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 in this case of the Azure uh, and be able to going fully on the version two that is the ARM version, the Azure Resource Manager. Yeah, yeah I think I think you're you're right. Uh, if this isn't the last, then it's definitely only a handful left. Uh, for services. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but this is a really big step forward. And yep. having this move to um, public preview is really good. Yep. It means we're just a couple steps away from GA, which means there's been a lot of work going on in the background for these things. Yeah. And this announcement, what they are doing is the availability of the migration tool uh, to migrate from that uh, Azure Cloud Services, the classic, to the new one. So if you have VMs that they are still uh, running on the classic, so under the ASM, uh, this tool now utilizes exactly the same experience uh, that you have with APIs that you have when you're migrating those virtual machines from classic to ARM. It uses exactly the same APIs. So mm -hmm. this is really good. Because if you already have those um, templates or those process already in place, you don't need to change much to moving to migrate your Azure Cloud Services Classic to the Azure Cloud Service Extended Support. Uh, I know that is a, bit, a little bit of mouthful, but basically it's uh, migrating from ASM to ARM. That's way more simple, but they have to come with a name, right? This is true. Yeah, it has to have a yeah. name of some uh, some flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Although what I what I would like to say is to just calm uh, some of the arts that I already feeling that they will tell us is okay. But what about the migration? I have this migration on 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 the classic, and I want to move to the extended support. Do I have downtime using the tool? One of the migration benefits, okay, is it's no downtime migration. So Correct. that is awesome. The other huge benefit for me is the fully orchestrated that you have on a migration tool. So you're moving the platform, you're moving the entire deployment and all the associated resources to ARM. So it's pretty cool what they are doing. They are really facilitating you. Now I say that it's still in public preview. So please do not move your production environment yet, but get ready. Okay. Yeah. Because when this became GA, there is no excuse. And I almost sure that they will put like a deadline for you to move it. Right? Yeah, these almost always come with those deadlines, right? Absolutely. Sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a year, um, but we can't take that for granted. We have to prepare. Yeah. So if you're running classic resources, and a lot of enterprises are, they're running classic VMs and uh, things like that still. So uh, get into your dev test, get into whatever uh, subscription you need and deploy some classic resources or use your existing testing classic resources and uh, try out the migration tool. Yeah. And like you were saying, one of the benefits to the, the migration tool is that they've really tried to automate as much as they can. 
So it's a bit of, um, dare I use the phrase, light touch yeah. uh, for it. Um, but that's really what they're going for, right? They want to make it easy for us to use the migration tool. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it really shows because it's it's easier to yes. use than some older stuff, right? Absolutely. And this that they're talking about is related to the migration tool, okay? Yeah. Because the update of the new Azure Cloud Service Deployment model is in GA. So the platform, in this case, the new Azure Cloud Service model is now in GA. The tool to migrate is still in preview. Correct. Okay. So they already announced this. They already announced on the same day that they build a tool that is in preview, but the end result is already in GA. So the new Azure Cloud Services deployment model, it's now in GA. So this allows you, okay, to just starting moving or gain the access to the new capabilities that you uh, that you didn't have on the classic version, okay? Mm -hmm. So such as, as, as I mentioned again, uh, the RBAC, the tags, the policies, the private link support that is huge. That's huge. That's huge. And even for me, it's even bigger, the deployment templates. So can I, can I go on a, a brief tangent Absolutely. about private links just for a minute? Because um, we've we've both worked at a lot of different um, companies over, let's say, the last couple of years, yeah, um, and we've had the privilege of being able to go in and assess their environments. And quite often, um, even on the projects that you you and I have shared uh, the workloads on, we've seen that uh, companies don't always take advantage of the private links uh, in the way that they could be. They'll use other means like NSGs or even third-party uh, firewalls and uh, routing and route tables. And like they make things more complex than it has to be is what I'm really just trying to say very plainly. And uh, if you're not using or you have limited use of private links and private endpoints in your environments, Take advantage of that and go in and explore it, use it. It's easy, first of all, it's very easy, but these things keep everything internal to your tenant and your subscriptions. Exactly. And that's really important for data privacy and security and all kinds of uh, 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 things surrounding that model, right? So I just want to encourage all of our viewers and listeners to really go in and explore private links, private endpoints, Take a look at how that can be applied in your environment. Check it out in your testing, uh, your testing subscription, and just explore it. It's really worth like uh, uh, doing on a Saturday afternoon or something just to learn a bit more about it and explore. Yep. So, I, I, thank you for for letting me go off you're of that. You're very welcome, and, I, and I, I want to add uh, to that because it's a very good point uh, on 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 the misuse of of private links, or in this case the absence of use of private links, let's call it this way, mm -hmm. is, is because of that a lot of the services, they have this external resolution. For example, storage accounts, for example, Azure SQL, for example, and, and so on. I could be here the entire day just calling <laughs> out 
all of those services, right? You really could. There's a lot of There's services. a lot of services. But the absence of using this is is the matter of instead of having that name, okay, that theoretically uh, uh, resolves to a public uh, uh, IP, and now you have to open ports, like you mentioned. You have to talk about all of the security of of getting even outside and and, and get and in some cases you are uh, even incurring on some extra costs because right now I'm just thinking about egress because if you go gotcha. outside of the region even if to go to go back again to the same service on the same region you are going outside of the region. No That's right, because when you use public IPs yes. to access your internal information and you don't realize it sometimes, yeah, um, that means data egress. Yeah, right absolutely. There. And a lot of those people doesn't know because, oh, I felt too com complex. It isn't. Uh, well, it, it, to be fair, it did used to be um, a little bit more complex, but that was part of my but it uh, was, tangent, right? But I was have because to say now that it's easier. I have to say that wasn't when we use the service link. Yes, that's correct. When yeah. we when they come with this private link, okay, uh, in this case, it's it's. I know that similarity of the name confused a lot, and, and Microsoft in this case, uh, they still have a long run to create to create a little bit more uh, easy understanding names and not such a confusing like that. Uh, it's one of the examples, but yeah, we'll talk about that one in an, in one another article, right? Absolutely, <laughs> but but those are are, are different, right? Uh, 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 the the part of going there on on the private links and be able to use that and be able to configure that, you don't need to go outside. You are reducing your security because now you don't need to open firewall ports, even if it's outbound and then inbound or whatever it is to come to you that's right your, uh, your internal sock is going to love you for learning absolutely. more about this because it means they have to work less to secure things absolutely absolutely but but yeah it's very interesting right that that part and again we deviated one more time <laughs> from the <laughs> from the no, update sound right. <laughs> but i think our, i think you that you are listening or viewing uh, you already know that we deviate a lot, and I think that's what makes this show so interesting because we extend our point of view or something like uh, uh, to those updates, right? It's Ta true. Yes. Yep. Going to the next one, and this is one of the coolest, and we were mentioned this on the on the pre-recording was like the public preview of Start VM on Connect Fixture for Windows Virtual Desktop. Yeah, so I admit this was one that caught my attention uh, midweek when it was released. And uh, I got excited and I did go in and have a bit of a poke at this one. So um, I'm, uh, I'm starting to explore more about uh, Windows Virtual Desktop, the WVD uh, product from Azure, like within Azure. And not that I want to be a virtualization expert, um, as you know, I find um, uh, anything other than uh, good old-fashioned terminal services terribly confusing. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, WVD is really what's going to help 
propel ease of use for end users and administrators working remotely over the next little while. So as we continue to battle with having to work outside of the office and there's all these things going on, we have, you know, millions of people trying to find ways to connect better and do things quicker. So the fact that we can now, to be fair, there's some uh, kind of rules with this, and we'll we'll kind of cover that in a, in a in a minute or two here. But um, the really cool thing about this is we don't have to have the whole pool spun up. It can uh, not just based on kind of that governance and the policies load to say, okay, uh, you know, Andrew said that. Uh, the servers are going to be configured so when uh, 20 people are logged on to a VM, it spins up the next one for number 21 that logs in uh, for a virtual desktop. That might be true, but now this is starting the VM when they connect to it. This is a little bit different, so it's not like the pool configuration, it's the VM configuration. Yes. So. This is freaking awesome because it, it means we can have our resources powered down and it's interesting because this ties in for uh, some work I was doing uh, with a client recently where they took the whole power on, power off automation model and turned it on its head and yeah. said, Andrew, what if the default state is off? And what can we do about this? Like, how, how can we make a model like that work? And it really made me think uh, you know what? That's an interesting question. And we came up with some solutions for it. And uh, we had to use a lot of creativity. And let me tell you, this is an absolute blessing it is. that it's coming out. It is. Um, the, I cannot wait for this to go GA. Like it won't happen soon enough. I know. <laughs> uh, and and, and I'm, I'm in the middle of, of for, for example, that's interesting part that I was mentioned this uh, on one of the workshops. I'm in the middle of, of, of one of the uh, WVD projects that I'm doing right now. And the interesting part is this, right? Although uh, when I was presenting this, this new feature to them today, for example, there are some, some catches that they are not on this, uh, or at least on the documentation. But it's interesting, okay? So first of all, there are some requirements and limitations on this public preview. Uh, first, you need to be with the latest version of the Windows client. That is, in this case, the 1.2748 or later. So it only works on that. Uh, that is the first catch. Um, and then it only works either with that version or with the web client. Okay. Uh, it doesn't yeah. work on anything else. But if you're starting thinking about this is right now, if you have a multi-session pool, okay, this is great, for example, uh, for dedicated pools. So means yes. that you have a pool for one user, one desktop. Okay. Usually you're doing that for heavy users, uh, something like that, when you need a little bit more like a graphic interface, uh, not graphic interface, like the GPU enables when you have those type of, 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 of users. Although, if you have a, a multi-session pool, okay, you have two ways to deploy the pool. 
you have what's called the breath and what's called the depth. So the difference is, for example, if you have a host pool of 10 servers, the breath, what it does is it will, and you define that you have, for example, uh, a limit of, of 10 uh, users per host, in this case, on a multi-session. The breath, what it does is it starts to fill up that server and only moves to the next one when the 11 come, right? And yep. it moves to the other one when the 21st one come and so on and so forth, right? So it's filling horizontal, no, it's filling vertically instead of horizontal. The breath, Correct. you're starting to have the first one on the first host, the second user, a second session on a second host and everything else. So this, it's awesome, okay? When it is, to be very honest, in my honest opinion, it's more effective when you have breath, uh, depth instead of breath. Because if you have 10 host pools, for example, or 10 hosts on that pool, and you have 100 users, on the first 10, you already have all the VMs on. Okay? So the savings there is not that great. It is still great because when the last guy, okay, theoretically, and if you are not using uh, Nerdio as well, I have to say, right, um, that you can balance all of those sessions and all of those rules of auto-scaling up or auto-scaling down, right? Yeah. If you don't have that, then you could be, you could ending with the VM always on because the last guy is still on that host doing that, right? Although if you're doing on the DAP, if you compare both of them, and I know that I'm now I'm, I'm going a little bit more in depth. In, well, it's in, a little bit, it's a little bit deep, but I think, I think it's good because, um, yeah. you know, we need to understand how we can take advantage of, of these this, uh, yes. previews. And in particular, when we're talking about the power on, like start the VM when we connect, um, you're really laying a good foundation for us Absolutely. on this. Absolutely. And, and and I was talking on that. And, and, and the interesting part is, I know that this was was because I did search it and I did, I did see it. And I was talking and I was saying to them, well, this is amazing. But, and then I say, it's amazing it is but you have to think how you're going to use this on the best way so we were and this time we just change it the design from example the breath to the depth to just take advantage of this when this became ga for example yes and those yeah, little yeah. details it's a reminder it is public preview it is right public now. preview yeah. of course so don't don't deploy these in production, right? But it's interesting because those little details change completely, can change completely the design to save costs or to change a little bit the driver that in this case was, okay, I like this. Let's use this functionality out of the box. It's a native functionality. We should do That's it. Right. doesn't increase any cost. doesn't do anything. Although Nerdio already does that, right? But it's very nice to have um, this. Well, there's some available. specific use cases for it, I think, right? So if it fits 
for the way someone has designed their uh, their desktop pool, then you know this is going to be really good. It's going to help them to save some money. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you like, you say you know if you're using the the depth and you're you're scaling up, and then when it's full, then you go to the next one. You've already got those features baked in. It's already there. You don't have to take advantage of this. This won't uh, impact the way that that operates with the automatic scaling. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But but it's interesting, right? Like our small feature uh, like this it with such an importance and it will a huge impact for organizations, right? That now absolutely. they can they can save tons of money. Um, yeah. can change the design or can change the, the the future of the design so easily, right? And that's the part Absolutely. that I want just so, to add. The thing, the thing that always comes to my mind was um, I would uh, you'll you'll remember this. So I'm gonna, I'm going to try and omit some detail here, <laughs> but uh, this is so, folks. This is always the challenging part for yes. us when we try to tell a good detailed story that's helpful, but we can't talk about clients and things that we've worked with. So we have to omit some detail, but not too much, but enough. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Friday problems, right? Exactly. First world problems. <laughs> so yeah, first world problems, right? Yeah. So I, I remember um, working through some design and redesign of uh, virtualization desktops yeah. um, for a client, let's say. And when we were thinking about the design, we had to think like, okay, so they're going to be using um, like CAD programs. They're going to have huge files, um, big PDFs, big spreadsheets. They're going to have um, not massive, but let's say uh, kind of midstream uh, database sizes that they want to load locally within the session in the virtual desktop. So I'm saying like, three to 800 megabytes of uh, like a, a database, for example, spreadsheets uh, up to two or 300 megs, that kind of thing. So some pretty heavy processing requirements for virtual desktops. And one of the things that I struggled with was, well, how do you build pools that have different kinds of beefiness, right? So I have users in finance that are gonna really use those Excel spreadsheets. So they need, really more memory, but you're gonna have then AutoCAD uh, people perhaps, they might use more processor and more memory, and then you're gonna have data people and they're gonna need just a lot of uh, 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 processing again. So once it's loaded, it's not so bad. And really when you think about anything under one gig for RAM allocation, it's not too bad. And I see that I've been overseas again to the head shrinker. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness so that's okay but uh one of the things that struck me and struck a chord with me with the start vm on connect was if we build out kind of beefier hosts to take care of things like users that have specific use case requirements like this then this is a really great case for being able to uh, kind of give them those heavier programs, but still in a virtual environment. So we don't have to distribute them out on laptops, say, 
and uh, mail the laptops out to users while we're all working remote. So uh, I really did love um, some of the features with this. <laughs> if folks at home, if you could see what I'm seeing right now, you would no, they cannot see that. <laughs> oh, Marco, sometimes you just get me going. That's so funny. <laughs> You, you want... Just for the record, my forehead is not that big. So one of the things that I love about our Friday evenings, as we always close out and say it's the highlight of our week. So this, folks, really, truly, honestly, it is the highlight of my week. Because not only do we get to sit and talk about these little features and how they kind of map out and, the, you know, sometimes these little things are a little bigger than they seem, right? Like WVD all of a sudden is a little bit bigger. And uh, it's just, it, it's informal and that's what I love. So I, I really, I'm just trying to say thank you, Marcos, because uh, I, I really do like this time. And this is a conversation that we have anyways while we're chatting. And it's nice that we can uh, kind of record this and share with everybody and all of the extra work that you do uh, behind the scenes on the fly with these things, uh, it's really very much appreciated. So thank you. You're very welcome, my friend. So that said, uh, I think I will take us perhaps into the transition here for our next article. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit. Public preview for Azure Purview is now available in Central India region. Uh, this is this is a really cool thing, right? So we've talked before a little bit about Azure Purview and how data governance is really the driving uh, kind of force that we have to reckon with. <laughs> You're killing I, me, buddy. I don't know, man, I, it's like, I have to say here, if you are, if, if you are listening, you have to go to the YouTube channel. And I apologize oh, for doing so this. It's so worth it this week. Because it's so <laughs> worth it. I don't know. I'm not touching the computer. I'm not doing anything. And and we always record this on stream, on Streamlabs OBS. And this week, I don't know what is going on. No, <laughs> I've been head drunk again. I, this must be so, the, so let's, this let's must be it, the let's Skype. Let's say it like this, Marcos. Let's say, let's say it like this. So if, if in our listening audience, we have a Streamlabs OBS expert, yes. for the love of but. God, reach out to us. <laughs> yes, I, I have to ask for help because I'm not touching anything. I'm raising my hands, okay? And, and suddenly, it's only happened with, with, uh, with in this case, Andrew. Uh, I don't know if it's my internet connection, or if it's oh, the, the Skype, because yeah. Andrew is connecting to us through Skype, right? And if it's the NDI, <laughs> NDI of the Skype that is doing that, and and it, it's messing around with with all the configuration, well, probably yeah, so already maybe saw a, maybe this. Maybe there's a better way to do this, yeah, right? Absolutely. So we've, we've modeled our setup off of um, kind of a, a well-known article from some Microsoft folks that uh, publish and use uh, Streamlabs to produce their really fancy looking videos, yes. uh, especially out of channel nine and stuff like that, right? So yeah. um, there's an old article from like, I, I say old, like maybe three years old that talks about how to set up uh, OBS for this kind of thing. 
So the new iteration that's more friendly is Streamlabs. And as you can see, it's being very friendly. And theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, this tool is for streaming. So <laughs> we are just recording. We are not we are streaming, streaming on my computer. And I see over here that I'm not reaching even 50% of my CPU. Um, and I, we having all of these you know, issues. You know what really cracks me up about this? Though? This makes me feel like a super old man with a VCR that's flashing 12 and I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't tell me that. But yeah, let's let, let's move on. Public yes, preview of thing. Azure so, yes. Purview. Azure Purview. So um, tell us a little bit about what you think um, with uh, Azure Purview. Because, I mean, we're starting to see kind of how uh, this is proliferating out to all the different regions now. Yeah. So Central India this week now is getting it in public preview. I bet you next week or the week after it'll go GA in Central India region. And we'll see a couple other regions um, hit yeah, preview. Absolutely. Um, why is Purview important for us? What do, like, what do we need to do with it? What does it help with? So Azure Purview, oh, wow. reading and using your expression, reading from direct from the mouth horse or house or horse mouth, right? Get the horse's mouth horse straight from the horse's mouth. Is Azure Purview is a unified data governance service that helps you manage and govern your on-premise multi-cloud and software as a service data. So easy to create an holistic up-to-date map of your data landscape with automated data discovery, sensitive data classification, and end-to-end -end data lineage. So empowers data consumers to find valuable, trustworthy data. So in other words, it's a service that's looking for your data in a holistic way, wherever your data is, if it's on-prem, if it's on Azure, or on a different cloud, or even, even if it's in the in the SaaS, okay, um, and basically maps everything to just see if you have CCTV, see if you have data classification, what data classification do you have to just discover what type of data do you, do you have? So it's it's a pretty cool service. I have to say that that I did uh, play around on my lab, uh, and it was pretty cool. I'm really looking forward to a project that I could implement is way deeper, but I see a lot of uh, uh, valuable on a service like this. Although it's funny um, and it's a mouthful that you're doing public preview of Azure per view. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, so this is what we were talking about earlier where um, certain companies that might be running Azure have a little bit more work to do when it comes to names that roll right off the yes. tongue. And who knows, maybe it's on purpose so that we mention it in that way and give them a bit more attention. <laughs> Seriously, folks, come subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's a blast. <laughs> it's a blast from... Oh, God bless you, Marcos. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I will move us forwards while the maestro conducts the uh, the mice in the machine here for us. It's, it's incredible. So, uh, coming up next, we've got Azure Automation is now available in South India. So, 
uh, we've seen Azure Automation coming out in uh, many regions, um, kind of in the last, I want to say, month or so, I think. We've really seen it kind of um, uh, moving along very quickly. And I think that uh, this is really cool because, I mean, as you know, we use Azure Automation to power what drives our article collection for this podcast even. Um, we use automation, uh, run books, and all those things through Azure Automation for uh, a lot of power on and power off scheduling. We've talked about that uh, this episode as well. Um, we also use automation to drive a lot of schedules for reports and uh, kind of keeping things communicated well with our admin teams and managers for different reporting, especially cost and finance reporting in Azure. So I, I use automation a lot for a lot of things. So the fact that uh, I've been kind of taking that a bit for granted, I think in North America, um, to be honest with you, um, it's fantastic for me because now that it's rolling out worldwide, um, for example, lately I've been working with some overseas teams in India and uh, it's amazing because a lot of times they have to create resources in testing tenants in US and Canada to get the full set of features that we kind of just take for granted here. And now with automation coming to South India, um, this is really good. So we're starting to see a lot of growth, a lot of equalization of all of the features and services within Azure available worldwide, right? So there's been a lot of worldwide commitment um, from Microsoft and this is really um, delivery, I guess. This is really just delivery of that, right? Absolutely, absolutely it is. And it, it, it's great to see that, that uh, although they announced some for this year, some new zones in this case of, of India and they are, and they are growing uh, on that on that matter uh, in this case and and now that Azure automation is growing and and we have to say that is one of the the normal ones is this and is this the Azure um, uh, the other one that is very popular on our show is the log analytics and and Azure yeah. monitor as well so yeah. they are competing each other for to see who is the most that appears on most on our show, that, that's that's completely true. Moving on to the next one, and this is directly to the heart of my good friend, Azure Active Directory B2C, so business to consumer, in Australia mm -hmm. is, in, is available in public preview. Yeah, so uh, clearly um, I kind of love Azure Active Directory. Um, yeah. Once I once I warmed up to cloud authentication and uh, really had uh, the opportunity to gain uh, insights and understanding of the whole security model, mm -hmm. it really just clicked. So once in a while, I think in our lives, we get one of those things like it just clicks and it just feels kind of natural, like you put it into fourth or fifth gear and start cruising along. That is Azure Active Directory and B2C is really freaking awesome because it allows businesses to use Azure AD to deal with customer, consumer side accounts. Uh, you can do some really cool third-party integrating 
with Google accounts, with Facebook accounts, all those things, and allow customers to log in and authenticate to your systems using those other third-party accounts. Yeah. Uh, you know, so when you when you go into a website and you see, yeah, log in here, click on the Facebook thing, click on the Google thing. Um, I mean, I always click on the the Microsoft account thing. But even Microsoft one, accounts is a, is a B two C, right? So it is because the Microsoft because, account uh, if you're is using consumer your personal account. Yeah, yeah, because you, because you would use like your Hotmail address exactly. or your Outlook.com address, and uh, I guess that shows my age. I still, I still have a Hotmail address. Oh yeah, and and my Hotmail just to see all my age used to be Rocketmail. Oh, look at this! See, so so my is about. 30 years, something like that. See, my Elton John story is different because <laughs> uh, do you remember the last time we bumped into each other in Vancouver was uh, the same week as an Elton John concert yeah. and it was impossible to get a good hotel anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> it was. It was. It, it, oh my goodness. Okay, well, yeah, before I get off on uh, problem parking and uh, downtown Vancouver. Let's let's move along. Exactly. Let's let's move along with this. And but it, it's great that to see that starting of of April nine um, or started in April nine. Uh, they in this case in in Australia they will have this available for them to start to start doing. And one of the things that I like about this B two C is you can develop your application, right? And you don't need mm -hmm. to give them internal and it was always a, a kind of a concern how you can grant different profiles or different uh, roles and different everything uh, and you always look for uh, oh oh do i they need to register with with my company what i'm going to do with that data what i'm not going to do with that data so it takes a lot of load and 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 complexity and even um regular compliance right because that data right. it doesn't live with you you are just receiving That's a token correct. right you are just receiving yep. that and now you can go in with authentication so you know oh, it's a beautiful, it's a yeah, beautiful saml tokens really made authentication very elegant right and uh super secure as well so this is a really safe way uh, to do authentication for um, different uh, business systems that you may need to have interfacing directly to your consumers. And one of the things I think is worth, like, I want to just do an honorable mention of the low-code slash no-code Power Apps, yeah. right? So Power Apps allows you to also integrate whatever you're building with B2C. So you can integrate Azure Active Directory. Um, you can inter you can integrate your business tenant, the B two B, and the B two C. So uh, if you are working on something or you have something on your horizon for a project like that, come and explore this. Um, you know, check out the links. Um, Marcos is absolutely amazing. Puts the links for um, all of these updates into the YouTube. Uh, what do we call that? The YouTube. Comments, article? No, it's the, I'm not the, sure what... the description. Description, yeah, thank description you. Video. But it... B2C, no problem. Simple words like description. Yeah. <laughs> and, but do you find on any any post uh, that you see on uh, on this channel, 
um, and on the podcast you find all of those all of those links that uh, you we are talking about regarding that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's, it's really amazing technology. I love how um, Azure AD is so it easy is, to integrate is. with other tools and really bring things to life absolutely. and make it. It's it's so yeah. easy. I it love is, it. It is. The next update is the last one. So it's the last but not the least, as as the always the joke, right? It's it's a little bit a different. It's it's kind of a heavy hitter, though, it right? It is. It's a public preview um, of Azure announcing, in this case, the Azure Stick solution templates to accelerate to accelerate compliance for the Department of Defense. So Stick yeah, so is security technical implementation guide. So is nothing more than there are templates of this. Uh, I don't know if it's an institution or if it's an organization that basically creates templates, okay, to accelerate your process to achieve what's called the Defense Information System Agency, DISA, compliance. So if you have projects with a DOD, okay, uh, STIG is a Department of Defense cybersecurity methodology to standardize security configurations on your computer operating system and other softwares and hardware. So it's very similar yeah. to the, the CIS. Exactly, right? So if you're working or a company uh, that you're uh, associated with is working with defense contracts in the United yeah. States uh, Department of Defense, the DOD, then this is one way you can use to help accelerate your cybersecurity preparedness, exactly. really, right? Exactly. And you can apply this to Windows and Linux VMs in Azure. Yes. And uh, it's preview. So we should say test this in your, your whatever tenant, non-prod. Um, but this is a way that uh, is going to be used to help accelerate that security journey and make it a little easier Absolutely. to meet all of these very strict DOD requirements, yes, right? So is. we know that the government tenants are separate physically yeah. from the public cloud tenants, yes. but we also know that DOD is even further separated, yes. right? So Azure has the highest level of achievement for DOD security Secrets. for data centers. It's absolutely amazing. It um, so this is this is really good stuff coming out. It is. And this is going to filter down. I think it's going to filter down into other types of security templates. I think that this model will be adapted by other models. It is. And the good thing about this is, this is not only to adapt, in this case, for the... Um, for the Azure government, uh, in this case, uh, uh, subscriptions or the Azure government, in this case, uh, uh, plans on all of that. This you can apply to the Azure commercial. So if your organization have some kind of uh, uh, contracts with all of that, um, Azure government is built for, uh, in this case, to, to identities or entities that they are related to the government. So usually they need to be government. So even public ones, it's not the government. 
they are public. So I just it's want different. yeah, and I just want to point out that if you look at the bottom of the the web browser object, you'll notice that it says Azure Government Secret coming yeah. soon. So though this is being developed for DoD compliance, which is typically secret, uh, maybe it's so secret they just can't announce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't see that. <laughs> I I couldn't resist. I apologize to the person who worked so hard on this. And I we appreciate your work. I could not resist. I had to bite. <laughs> yes, it's so secret that they it's coming soon, but they don't they don't see they don't tell when. Uh, there's actually I was just looking because I wanted no, to but, formally yeah, but, apologize to somebody with a name. There's no name on this article. But there is there is a lot of things around this because if you are a commercial and you have a contract with DOD, there is a lot of things that you need to do it. Um, there is one specific pro uh, program that's called the FedRAMP program that allows you to just uh, kind of do it this express way to do this. And these stick templates, it will help you achieve that. The good thing that you mentioned here is the public preview is if you think if you ever implemented the CIS, right? And you know that they have level one and level two. And when you're going, from example, for example, on your domain controllers and you just lock down everything and now they, they cannot even talk to each other, something like that. Oh, yeah. It's very, it's very strict. strict. If you think that that was close. Try this one. <laughs> and again, yeah, so, this is in public yeah, preview. So if, if people yeah. if people are used to working in like uh, like um, PCI DSS or something like that, yeah. and you're sitting uh, Saturday afternoon enjoying a beverage of your choice, got your feet up, and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, that was really tough to do that configuration and testing." Ha. Huh. Try Stig. Exactly. Uh, DOD requirements are uh, what do we say? Off the hook. Yeah. They're really, really. So hard. if you have Insonia, this is a good way to go. <laughs> oh my it's god! True. We need it's we need to close this. Granular and detailed, right? So there's a there is a lot of very particular uh, work that goes into uh, the DOD requirements. And I think this is going to help to take some of that uh, kind of put you to sleep parts out of it <laughs> and let you apply the template Abs and uh, do Absolutely. that. But again, for the, for like, please, uh, if you love uh, the environment and your users that you work with, do not apply a STIG template in prod. Yeah. Uh, nothing is going to talk to anything unless you put explicit rules in to allow it. So... Uh, you're going to need to do this in your testing tenant and really deeply understand what happens. Absolutely. Uh, so I would I would recommend for like a good scenario would be add in SQL databases, uh, private endpoints for your data, simulate either very close uh, uh, copies of NSGs, um, different types of servers. If you're using third-party firewalls for um, virtual appliances, add those in so you understand what happens with them. Um, be detailed in your testing uh, with compliance uh, templates because uh, they're quite strict. 
and uh, they are detail oriented. Absolutely. Uh, so it's intended for you to really deeply test and understand. Exactly. So yeah, I'll stop ranting about security <laughs> stuff here. That's okay, my friend. <laughs> we already finished our podcast. So um, as you guys already see from from Andrew's window, we are uh, recording this uh, on a daylight. <laughs> That's why we have so much fun. And I think as we move into summer, yeah. there's going to be, I think, some hijinks like Completely. garage episodes. Garage episodes. And you never know. You never know. But uh, <laughs> what I want to say is thank you. Uh, please do not forget to subscribe. And now we have our button back again. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. It looks so good. I want to say that you do a good job. Thank on you. That. Uh, it was it was a challenge just to 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 do it is again. I don't know why I just lost the button. Um, but don't forget to subscribe. Give us some love. We love you giving our love in back. In this case, mm -hmm. we are here for yeah, you. All those comments and likes, just absolutely amazing. amazing this amazing. last like absolutely. few months, it's the the response from our listeners has been amazing. It, it, it's been, I have to say. But so once again, thank you. We come to the end. Thank you, Andrew, for being here again once again. And I hope thank I can you. see oh. you next week. So. Have a great week and bye.